You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of The Little Yak with Anissa and Parama. Hi, I'm Parama. In this Little Yak, we talk about the currently airing drama Run On. We recorded this during a YouTube live stream last Sunday and it's largely unedited. We do plan on more live recordings of Little Yaks in the future, so definitely follow us on Twitter and Instagram to know about the times and the dates. Anissa and I are both deeply enjoying Run On, the story, the dialogues, and the refreshing look at the awkwardness of a new relationship. And we talk about it in great detail here. There's only one major spoiler, and we have a timestamp for that in the description. As always, we want to thank our patrons for keeping us going and all our listeners for being the reason we exist. Happy 2021 everyone. We hope dramas always have the power to make your day a little bit better. So, Anisa, what are we talking about today? So, um if you've been watching the drama and just this spoiler warning, we're going to be talking about all of eight episodes that have aired so far, but before we get into spoilers, I'll just quickly give you the premise in case you want to watch it later. It's basically about this um this runner who has come up to some like difficulties with his career and a subtitle translator who subtitles like movies um, from Korean into English and their sort of meeting and romance and the people around them, um, the people in their lives. The second leads are um, a table, like a female table heir um, who has issues with her family. And she's also the agency head for the male lead and um the other second lead is a college student who paints art and he's very um sunny and cheerful and yeah this is cast too uh i think the cast that we are most familiar with of course is m shivan uh famously from bisang and uh shin se kyung uh, most lately from uh rookie historian gusarang guherian yeah guherian and i'm also like I haven't liked her that much in modern stuff. I always find her to be really good in saga uh, historical dramas, but not that good in modern stuff. But she's doing a really good job this time in the modern role. It's the way her character has been written. I kind of feel the same confident take charge vibe from her. It sounds so cliché, but you know what I mean? Like you got this from Rupi Historian. She has been given this really capable, very opinionated uh, character, and she's not um a caricature of a capable opinionated opinionated character like um you know the lead from like the park sodam character was from uh, roy um record of youth this yeah. woman um minju right she actually has a very clear idea of what she wants to do she has a set schedule she has this work that she likes doing she's trying to develop her career in the way she knows she can I just really love her. She's she's there's nothing remotely passive about her and this so works with this act. Can I just say also like her freelancer work life is so relatable and dying. <laughs> like the like the odd hours working at night and sleeping in in the morning, having times when you have like you're making no money and later you're making a lot of like some money but you're busy and you don't have time for anything else. Like it's just very very relatable. Um it's the writing the oh writing God, in the yes. drama is the star honestly the writing is amazing go it's ahead say what you're saying uh, first of all the freelance thing yes i felt attacked i felt called out because yes. <laughs> i live like that project to project and i'm staying up night after night and then there there is an entire week and all i'm doing is vegging out 
but then when i have work all i do is work and that means not eating on time maybe eating one meal a day but and sleeping throughout the morning i was like what because <laughs> you know we don't get enough representation on media so this was kind of nice yeah. but yes the writing the details in the writing anisa i love that they leave those awkward pauses hanging you know the conversation it gets really smart really snappy and you're like oh my god this is so glib is it going to be too glib but no then they have an awkward pause where they are like both kind of dealing with you know what i mean yeah. there's this breaking a conversation that's perfect i think early on maybe it was in one of our chats we were comparing it um like unfavorably to record of youth i mean record of youth came off unfavorably because the thing with that one it also had like the snappy banter but it felt so artificial because people just said the exact most witty and you know smart thing they never tripped up on themselves or made any mistakes and this like like you said it does it keeps the awkward pauses and i think that's also like partly really good editing but you see people say the wrong thing and then backtrack and then think of what they actually want to say and, but it still has like a lot of wit and a lot of fun and a lot of humor and a lot of pathos like this does breaks my heart every week I'm like oh I thought this was gonna be light and my I'm just crying right now um I know one other thing that I wanted to mention about the writing is that I don't think and I noticed this particularly with episode eight but I don't think I've ever seen a k-drama that's this honest about money um or about work before like even workplace dramas it's a very like sanitized fluffy I mean yeah you have like the bad boss and the but um, there was talking about like, student debt and like you know it was very I was it was very refreshing. It was very refreshing, and I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, something for the dialogue. Oh, that the dialogue, the banter is just something that always leads somewhere. You know, like it's always leading the story. It's always giving us more information, and it's just something that makes you feel like. I just learned a little more about this character. It's never banter just for the heck of it, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to stop using that word now because I think we've already <laughs> like overused it. Yeah, we've we've done a lot too much on banter. We, we absolutely have. <laughs> Yeah, and just to pick up on uh, Liliana in the chat said, this show is so mature, the honesty and banter between all the characters is great. Um, And Ashini also mentioned the dialogue. It's really nice to see how honest these characters are. And they are all, like all four of the leads are very blunt and sometimes like uncomfortably honest, but it makes it really, uh, it adds a lot of tension and a lot of interest and like fun to dialogue, which otherwise, you know, like, because the premise is not, if you tell somebody the premise, they're like, okay, it's just a regular slice of life rom-com. Like, what's the big deal? But because they say the thing, um, instead of, like, not saying the thing, and then for five episodes, everyone's, like, pouting because they don't understand each other. It's really, and in fact, like, the conflict that came in episode seven was because they are saying the thing, but both of them are not saying, they're not on the same page about what they feel, and they don't understand each other's communication styles. But it's not that they're avoiding communicating. So I just really, really love that. Exactly. The idea that you can explore the initial discomfort when you're getting to know the person you're interested in on the screen is just really new to me because usually when it's true love, it's really easy according to dramas. You know, everything is smooth. You understand each other perfectly. It just, everything sings, even though you have wildly different, maybe social, cultural, just life experience, you know, history. But the thing is that 
Hold on, I'm just I'm, I'm looking at the comments for a second. Um, the thing is that these people just make sure that the fact that these are very different people, all four of them are very different people, is very obvious from the way they interact with each other. Sometimes one of them says something and the other doesn't get it. And they don't get it not because they are stupid or the other person didn't make sense. They don't get it because their life experience didn't give them the context to get it. And then sometime later they do get it because they have now learned something more about this other character in the you know in, in the duration of that particular episode maybe and by the end of the episode now they would get it I, I, i'm trying to be really vague because i don't want to be super spoilery and the spoilers are all in the details in this drama it's not yeah. yeah it's not the story the story is you know people find careers they love i guess or success it's not that it's it's very hard to blur this particular drama which is probably it's very why like you living their lives and finding love and friendship along the way so yeah that's the tagline just came up with it you know also it's not only uh, like i remember when i was in high school and i was taking psych uh like intro to psych and they were talking about how when you first become friends with someone or you start a relationship with someone um how people get close to each other is by revealing details about themselves and um that's one of the things that, for example, the male lead, Sungkyung, played by Im Chiwon, he has to learn that. Because he doesn't, even though he's like very blunt and honest, he never says anything unnecessary. And that's one of Miju's frustrations with him, right? Because he just like gives the minimum amount of information. She's like, do I really have to be petty and ask you for these small details? Like, what's wrong with you? Um, and then there's like, you know, the it's not only in the romantic relationship, though, it's in the friendships, right? So like Dana, who's the table, and Miju also are very different people. And there's some like friction right there between them. And it's very entertaining to watch. It's especially entertaining because Dana finds creating the friction fun. It's not like it's a second female lead and, you know, female lead friction over a man, even though that's how Dana kind of manufactured it. The fact of the matter is that that dynamic does not exist here. They're not fighting over a man. Dana just really likes teasing Miju for whatever reason. So she's just creating this situation and she's having fun with it. And I really, really like her character. And the interesting thing that I noted was Dana has a lot of points of contact with different um, different pockets of this universe. That that we know little stories about different characters, like the mother and the daughter, where the daughter, like her, uh, I, I think she's a scout in her in Dana's company. Her daughter wants to play uh, football, but she's hiding it from her mother. Oh, she yes. is connected through yeah through her brother to the male second lead. It's just that we know a little bits of pockets across the you know the universe of this drama, and they are not completely connected. They're separated by certain degrees. But Dana seems to be in some way or the other connected to all of them. And she gets to kind of interface with a lot of these characters and different aspects of her own character comes out through that. Um, like one thing I was not expecting was that initially Dana's relationship with um, Imshiwan's character. I keep forgetting his name. Sangyam. 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 It is a hard to pronounce. Miju <laughs> is right. It is hard to pronounce. It's okay. If even a Korean says it's hard to pronounce, we're okay. We don't have to feel bad. Right. Exactly. So he sort of commented <laughs> that when we just said, I thought we were in a love triangle. That was just, just perfect. Because <laughs> that, that they kind of built us up to that. And it was kind of a red herring, but yeah, okay. You were going to mention really something about Sun Gum, right? I'm sorry? You were going to mention something about Sun Gum. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> we went on the pronunciation tangent. 
We did. What was I? Oh, right. So about uh, Dana insisting that she had um, a relationship with uh, Sankyung, and or, or rather that he liked her first, and that went uncontested for pretty much the first eight episodes. <laughs> So we all assumed that that must have been true. And then in the eighth episode, you have that coffee scene. I think it was eighth or the seventh episode. They have that coffee scene, and um, yeah, Sangyum is just like, no, but I, I never liked you. That was episode eight. Yeah, he's like, why do you keep saying that? He's like, oh, <laughs> it was a joke. Why did, no, but, but I liked her. Why did you correct me before? <laughs> like, it's just. Yeah, yeah. Shoko has this really entertaining in- way of like saying things, and you don't. It's like the director Dong says, she's like, I never know if you're joking or you're serious, and she's never gonna tell you either. So you just kind of have to, um, yeah. I mean, I love Donna. I did not expect to love her, but she is so interesting and so funny, and um, yeah, the only relatable table, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I thought she was gonna be a catty second lead, but. Nope, nope, she is her own entire character, which is something that I always love uh, whenever they do that with second leads. I'm not entirely sure uh, where this relationship is going, the second uh, lead relationship um, between with Dana young, and Viteo. Yeah, wait, uh, Jungha, sorry, this is actually. And uh, because on the one hand, I really enjoy their dynamic. Um, that they technically have nothing in common and Dana seems to forget about him. Aside from his art, she seems to forget about him whenever he's not around. <laughs> so his art has made an impact, but he hasn't as yet. So I'm, I'm still... You really go and find him at school and wait for him. So he's not had that little of an impact. So here's my theory about Young Hua, because I remember seeing comments from people early on that were like, what is the purpose of this art student character? Why is he here? Like... Um, he just has nothing to do with anything. But I think what is interesting about him is he's very open-hearted. Um, he comes from like a stable family. Like unlike the other three, he, he seems to have like normal loving parents. He's very happy. Like his mom sends him honey constantly. He's like got too much honey. And I definitely think that's a symbol. Um, and so he is like super honest, just the same way they are. But with him, it also comes with like his whole heart. Like he just makes himself vulnerable really easily because he hasn't been hurt the same way they all have. Because, you know, sure. like, Miju is an orphan. Um, Sungyam has a really messed up family, and so does Dana, right? So none of them really um, interact with other people in a totally sort of healthy way because they all have their own issues of communication and, like, sort of intimacy issues or, like, sort of abandonment issues. And so, like, they're all at, you know, like, all three of them are, like, kind of at cross purposes because they all have these different issues. And he's just, like, here being a marshmallow, you know, uh, doing the ET thing. Oh my god, I love his friendship with Sungyum. He's just like bonded and glommed onto him and he's just like adopted him and Sungyum's just like, okay, I like you too. Let's be friends. You know what he is? He's like, like you know, in other dramas you have um, the female lead without any friends and then she makes a friend and it's usually with this over-friendly only character. So it kind of feels like Yonghua is that for Sungyum. Like he is, he kind of brings the kitten home and makes sure that he's, you know, safe and fed and stuff. 
because I mean, look at it uh, from Songyeong's perspective. He doesn't have friends. <laughs> Dana's not a friend. His friend back in the racetrack thing is more of a competitor. He's 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 a friend, but he's kind of just I, I forget the uh, uh, track um, runner's name. Oh, but you I know think it's Youngiel. Youngiel, I think. Possibly. Yeah. He's kind of a friend, but he's more of a competitor. Not really somebody that who would even invite confidences and stuff. Yeah, and he's more of a colleague, like just a More of a colleague, kind of, yeah. exactly. Like a friendly colleague. But so I don't think Sokyam has a friend. And here is this puppy who's suddenly like, Hyung! And he, he kind of just like decided that they are friends. And Sokyam doesn't have any say about it. They just they have to be friends now because, you know, Yongha decided. But also what I find so adorable is like once they had that first interaction in the grocery store, um, he is pure and sweet like the honey. I agree. So he, he like does the eating thing and he like immediately starts doing it with everyone. And then did you see what like when and later on he he's like Miju is pointing at him and he like and then like every time we see him he's like he's on board he's like doing it you know um and then like I don't know if this is just a thing that the director really loved for the writer but like even when he was with his sister when he goes to see his uh when his sister goes to see their dad and he's also like feeding the cat at their house yeah. um yeah. and he points at her and she also starts doing it and then she realizes that's not what he's doing she puts her head down. There's so many little moments like that that are just so great. You know, I have a theory that the director purposely allows uh, pu- purposely allows the actors to just um, invent. Like, you know, sometimes when the directors just let the reel run a little longer, they just mm. hold the shot and let the actors do whatever. Because, you know, that moment when uh, Sampa went to visit his mom on uh, the set and they're having this really intense conversation. She's saying all of this stuff. And then she's like, well, you know, do you want to do the shoot with me? And he's like, no. And she's like, why are you so stubborn? Who did you get this from? And he just turns around and kind of like points. (laughs) That could not have been directed. Because because he looked like the actor, Imshi, he looked startled. (laughs) And he turned around to look at uh, the actors playing his mom it's just it looked like such a but it worked it was such a great moment it was great it makes them feel like actual family members you know like all those moments you you feel like they're actual real people and not just uh and the et thing also reminds me one of the commenters alia khan said um that you really love all the movie references that the female lead makes and that's great like the movie references we're doing spoilers right so the Godfather reference in episode eight, I was like rolling on the floor. It was so, <laughs> and it wasn't just like, uh, like a lot of the other ones have just been kind of like blink and you'll miss it. And other yeah. than that, like old timey movie scene mm-hmm. um, last week, but it was like a long, you know, like they slowly pan down the bed and she's like pulling back the covers <laughs> and then like her only is just like there. And it was like the, the music. It was so, so, so good. Oh my god! And because I was not expecting that, it came out of the blue. I, I was like, "Well, how did this thing suddenly turn Hitchcock? I mean, what? Why? And why? What is the mystery? Why is she pulling away the? Yeah, it was great. No, I kind of knew it was coming because, like, as they close in on the bed, there's like that Godfathery type music, and yeah. then I was like, Wait. "No, I, I didn't get, that. I didn't get that till the till the you know bed sheet had been pulled." <laughs> The only head. Oh, that was great. The head. It was great. It was fantastic. I have um, 
I have a lot of respect for K-dramas for dealing with uh, really messed up parental relationships on screen. This drama kind of, like it really just, um, I mean, these are not normal parent-children relationship problems, but they are just so, I don't know what to say. It's very interesting. Yeah, you know what's really well done about them is that usually... I mean, we haven't got much about Miju's parents, but I mean, they're not in the picture, right? And like, how much can they say about her foster? Like, there's not really much they can show us on the screen about her absent family. But what I really yeah. love about both Dana's family and um, Sungkam's family is that it's not like uh, a parental unit where like your parents are just like this and then they affect you. Like, like it's not that simplified. He has a different relationship with his dad. He has a different relationship with his mom. His mom also has... You know, like it's a complicated dynamic because she kind of knows, like she's been kind of allowing the abuse and she's been neglecting her kids, but she's not yeah. as like unrepentant as her father, as his father is. She still loves the dad, even though he she knows what kind of person he is. So like that's complicated. Um, and then you have Donna's dad, who is horrible. Um, but it's not like, it's not like one or the other, like they're just good and you love them or they're terrible and you just cut them off. Like she still lives at home. It's really complicated, her relationships with her half-brothers. Um, like that scene where her younger brother is like, at least you hate me instead of just treating me like I'm invisible. Like that's like that's affection. And then you suddenly understand why he's a, like addicted to social media and, and like the attention that he gets from his fans. So, I mean, all these little details, like you can see the ripples, of those parental sort of um, disappointments oh, kind of going all over. Yeah, it affects, it's not, it's very, it's very smart writing is what I want to say. So with Dana's younger brother, the idol actor, I'm not sure who it's played with, um, Che Jae Hyun. Yeah, I'm not familiar with him. Tae Wong, yeah, so Tae Wong. So with Tae Wong's character, I find him a bit like the, I mean, that is not normal, right? The kind of obsession he has with his, with his Nuna. But other than the fact that he doesn't have a family and apparently he had been off sick for a long time, um, from from the little bits of information we have, I have about a feeling that he has the same heart that he might have the same heart condition as she does because he, he, there's one scene where his like group members kind of shocked surprises him. He's like, "Oh, my heart is so expensive. What are you doing?" Um, and then he also <laughs> says, "Like you basically lived in the hospital when you were in the U.S." So I wonder yeah. if they have this. Maybe it's like a genetic heart condition. Both of them have it. Yeah, that that absolutely is possible. But it's that's not something that they've dealt with. The aspect of this, um, her brother kind of, I don't know, a worshipfulness towards Dana that I find interesting is that, like, he's like this puppy that gets kicked and then keeps coming back to its master. It's very, it's kind of abusive. And it's not like Dana does it purposely. She's trying to push him away, but he just refuses to let that relationship go. So it's kind of a little disturbing to watch, but also really heartbreaking. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Now so that we know where it comes from, it makes a lot more sense. And I also have a theory about why she hates him so much. I don't think it's only because of the fact that he's her half brother, but because at the end of that conversation, she says, like, why of all people did you have to be my brother? And I, I wonder if it's because he's been able to pursue his dream and her dream was totally shut down, right? And she's ha having to sort of, you know, yeah. carry oh, on the family company. And she's sacrificing so much for it. Like she tells her other older brother, she's like, you're the heir, but I'm the one who actually cares about the image of the company. I'm the one who's actually working hard to make things work. Um, yeah. 
but she had to give up her dream of being a soccer player and that was taken from her in a really cruel way. And, and not just that, I mean, think about it. Apparently she wanted the art gallery, the family art gallery, but it was given to the younger brother. Mm-hmm. Apparently she was the oldest child, but her father forged the birth certificate and made her, you know, the second older child, the older brother. So technically yeah. they have a 10 month difference, but the other way around. And it's just And he's not only her up. older, he's not only not her older brother, he's like the child of his dad with a mistress that he was cheating on his her mother with. Like and her mother's dad on top of that. So it's just yeah. It's it's super, super, super messed up. I know. But you know, the thing that I find the most fun here is um Song Yong's dad, the the assemblyman assemblyman guy. What's his name? Um, Korean Trump. Go ahead, Trump. That's, that's the guy. The secretary is like, put the phone away, sir. <laughs> I love his facial expression. He almost jumped towards the phone to take it away. So, Ki Chang Do, that's the one. The actor is Park Young Do. And he always does these kind of political, I don't know, the horrible politician dad. characters. And he plays yeah. overbearing dads a lot because he's, he's got that booming, he's, you know, dad voice. And, and that face, that pompous. I know what's best for my child, so long as it's for my benefit for, you know, face. Um, and there is this really great scene with this guy where he's sort of inspecting the pictures of his individual members of his family. And as his eyes land on one member, he's thinking of kind of like, you know, the awards that they got and therefore, you know, how that reflected on him. And he's looking proudly at his wife at his daughter's picture, then his eyes fall at Sangyong, who's just recently retired, despite being told not to. And he's like, I'm so disappointed with this child. It's, it. I mean, that was such a good, it was a short, but really good scene, because it, it shows without really having to go into this entire tirade, how he's always seen these people, seen these members of his families as just stepping stones. Mm-hmm. And then Sangyong comes in and says, do you still just see us as tools and that just hammers that in even more so I really love how the dialogue and the direction all of it just really works well together have you heard that um theory or that sort of metaphor called like the squeaky I think it's called like the squeaky stare or like the basically what the it's like a it's a metaphor to describe um abusive family dynamics where you know, if you have a staircase and one of the steps squeaks and everyone just kind of avoids that step because they know it squeaks. Okay. And it's used to describe how in an abusive family relationship, everyone just kind of makes space around the abusive person um, to like not set them off. And then when a new person comes into there, they step on the squeaky stair because like they're expecting everything to be normal. But everybody else is like, oh, no, you can't, you know. So that I noticed that when like, First of all, in that really horrible dinner scene where he kind of confronts his dad for the first time and he like throws something at him and then he throws a glass at him and then his sister like slowly moves the water glass. Just like so to kind of, you know, diffuse or like uh, prevent as much as possible more violence. There was no shock on any of their faces. So really it's happened before. Yeah, just like, you know, dinner, regular dinner happenings. Um, and then later on, when he has the conversation that you were talking about, where Sungyam's basically like, I know that we're just tools, but I'm not gonna, I can't do this anymore. And then um, he leaves, and then he tells the secretary, I don't understand, like, I haven't changed. Um, and the secretary is like, maybe he's changed. So it's like, normal, you know, like, it's so normalized. And I really like how they I mean, it's just very smart. It's just really, really realistic and smart about these things. And that's what I think really elevates it from like any other slice of life romance. True. 
the one thing that okay sorry i just experimented with the visuals for a second <laughs> the one thing that i uh, really love about um team shivan's performance in this uh, drama i haven't honestly seen him in much i've just seen him in missing years but i don't know if he's done much in between has he he um he's done like one movie since he, he so he did another drama and then he went to the army the drama okay. was the an adaptation of the my sassy girl movie but it was like a, a saga it was bad the king loves i think um and then he, once he came back from the military i think he's only done a movie this i think this is his first drama since he came back okay so the the thing that i really like about his performance is um, i don't know if it's intentional um because like i said i've seen him in enough he he seems very raw like he doesn't know how to act in certain situations or that he's thinking about something else while other people are having really intense conversations even that scene with his mother when his mom is making this really intense emotional confession he he's kind of looking around the set like he's curious about the lighting you know what i mean and usually with a different actor i would have found that really distracting but for some reason in shivan i'm not finding it distracting that feels like part of the character's architecture like he's listening but he doesn't appear like he's listening does that make sense yeah i can't tell if he's playing it as like he has a like slightly like neurodivergent or if he's just someone who's really used to hiding his emotions completely because of being raised in an abusive household i can't really tell or like because he's been alone all his life and no, and like yeah. nobody interacted with him so he just doesn't have all those like you know all those facial expressions you put on your face in order to make the other person feel comfortable I yeah. feel like nobody ever did that for him. So he doesn't know how to do it to anybody else or maybe he's, you know, has, you know, slightly different like psychologically. Okay. I don't know. I can't tell. I honestly, I think it might be a mix of these things um that he's probably because abuse, even negligence that that comes as abuse uh from your parents um can result in certain neurodivergence um especially i mean stuff that maybe you can work out with your therapist but he clearly has is not talking to a therapist so as far as the character is concerned i find the portrayal very convincing i found it a bit odd initially but then i got really used to it because even though the character looks very distracted when it comes to the moment and he says these things suddenly these really emotional things suddenly they seem to have more of an impact so I don't know for for now I'm really enjoying uh the way he's portraying the character especially with Miju's very straightforward almost blunt way of expressing her opinions and feelings um it this juxtaposition really works okay hey you love the whole cohabitation thing right mm, yes they so, because they were like she was like come stay with me he was like no and I was like oh dang it we're not getting cohabitation that it happens <laughs> Yeah, but I I mean did, did you how did you feel about the fact that it was cohabitation but not quite cohabitation because they barely saw each other during the time they spent in the same house. I liked that because it was very different. It was not what I was expecting. Also like the third room is the living room. She's like you can have the third room. We have three rooms. It's literally just on the couch in the living room. Which looks very uncomfortable by the way. You know what I really liked about that is how you got to see how like their days and nights like they're not on the same wavelength in any yeah. way like in some ways they're very much on the same wavelength but then if you look at him you know like even though he's basically unemployed now he still gets up at 5am every morning goes for his run 
<laughs> and she's like just busy and she doesn't make really and he's like I thought you were gonna make time for me and she's like oh yeah well if I'm not busy but I'm busy right now <laughs> she's just like goes back to work um yeah that was very yeah. interesting because like there is something about um meeting someone outside and then like living with them right it's totally different you have and there's a big difference about like bringing them into your own space and seeing people when they're not like on you know they're in their pajamas or they're yeah Absolutely. I love that. It's it, it was a great way of showing how different they were. It was a much better way of showing their difference than if we had just seen them in their individual spaces, which we had been, by the way, we had been observing them in their individual spaces. And I mean, most characters get to know each other, most romantic partners in dramas get to know each other mostly through conversations. Here, they actually got to experience what each other's life, you know, day cycles were. That is just so much more information than you would usually get in the initial stages of a relationship. So yeah, bang on. I loved that they did it. Um, the one thing that I found really interesting was in the absolute final, uh, like the, the latest episode that we watched, which is episode eight, they have this thing where, um, like you said, like workplace issues. One of the workplace issues that Miju's character is going through right now is that she is in this, you know, seaside space where this foreign uh, direct, you know, cast and crew have come over. She needs to translate for them, and the the local cast and crew, like the 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 small, like the lower level, quote unquote, uh, staff, were given really poor accommodations because they're trying to save up on money. And then you have Imshiwan's character comes in, and uh, Sangyum comes in, and he's like, "Well, can I just, you know, help you guys move into the better hotel <laughs> because he doesn't like the sheets? Like he's mm. literally holding his nose when he comes into the hotel. This is why I really like this guy. He, he's got no pretense whatsoever. He is a privileged little boy, and he comes into this really crappy hotel. He looks at the sheets, he looks at the bathroom, and he's like, "No, <laughs> we can do better." <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't have any false modesty, which is also refreshing, even if it like it does annoy people. But also like, yeah, I mean, he's a rich boy. <laughs> so, what do you, you know, like what do you want him to do, like pretend he's not rich. Like that's even more that's like even more annoying, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So it, it's I also really, 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 really love the scene at the end of episode six and also the scene at the end of episode eight. Uh, I, I was dead. I was a puddle on the floor. I, I couldn't. <laughs> but, but you know as great as the episode 6 ending was the episode 8 ending was what kind of killed me because we took a normal lover helps you get better you know by sitting at your bedside like your sick bed situation which we've seen a million times and makes it something a little better by introducing that whole you know, the name thing, which yeah, it gets too spoilery because it's a good moment. You should watch it and experience it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all about the details. Like, uh, you have the same scenes, the same tropes playing out, but the details are so different and fresh and, uh, you know, unexpected. And these two people are so weird in, in, like, a really nice and entertaining and relatable way. Like, they don't have their all their weird bits sh like sanded off in order to make like nice, pretty romantic leads. Um, they're, they have those weird bits. They leave okay. the weird bits in. That's my, <laughs> that's my review to this drama and, that's, and it's good. They absolutely leave the weird bits in and they weave in backstories through these small occurrences. Like they're having a normal conversation. One of them says, okay, I'm going to do a bit of a spoiler. I'm going to put on the spoiler, um, 
chat thing on screen so while it's on screen those who of you who are watching the live stream please uh, mute this so <laughs> when meju is talking about uh, when she's calling out to her mom and songyam is like you know call out my name call out someone's name who's actually here and she it 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 harkens back to that conversation in the car that they had where she explains that she says like she calls out to her mother not because she does it you know because she had ever had a mother to call out to it because children in you know school and hospitals they do it and she it was a learned behavior from other children it's not something that that was just that was such a great moment that was such a pretty like not not a pretty that was such a good reveal but done in that information was just fed to us in that that tiny morsel of a moment you know what i mean okay, and you get so much story because she says like you know like people do so many things in order to not to be ostracized and you can you can hear her history being ostracized during her entire childhood just in that one sentence it's so it's so good you absolutely so good. can yeah <laughs> Okay, so this was glad to be like, yeah, this was glad to be like a thirty-minute live. We already had forty minutes. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. We really wanted to talk a bit about this drama because we are enjoying it a lot. We didn't um, say this, but I personally think that this drama, like, if the writer of Temptation of Love had written this drama, that would have been believable instead of. her writing record of youth because this feels like a spiritual sequel to temperature of love in my own head um you guys might not see any connection whatsoever but there really was one episode of love so <laughs> okay that's that's just something i feel and aside from that really liking this drama really liking the dynamics love the way this romance is building and my oh my god i forgot to mention that amazing scene in the movie theater where omijo just Uh, grabs uh, Songkyung's hand and walks away like when when his father is being an ass to her and instead of you know curling in on herself like she had done in a previous uh, interaction with him she just takes his hand and walks away and that is just so perfect especially because Songkyung's mom is like you give her money what are you going to do next throw water on her face <laughs> He's like, I have to do something else now. And she's like, What are you gonna do? Practice throwing water in her face? I was like, yeah, Go, mom. But uh, mom's like, I'm an actress. I know all the tropes. <laughs> she does. She does know all the tropes, and she's just perfect. I love it. I hope. I hope Samhyam and his mom can, you know, bond more. Yeah. I I like their moments together. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we're really excited for the second half of this. Hopefully, it will not disappoint us. I'm like so invested now that I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared by how much I love this. But um, but yes, thank you so much for joining us. This was really fun, and for for yeah. leaving comments, and it, that way we could talk back to you. That was really nice. That is true. Ah, uh, okay, and. Uh, I guess we are done. Uh, this was our live little yak, and we'll see how we feel at the end of this drama. We might do another one of this. <laughs> yes. Have a good rest of your weekend if it's the weekend for you. Bye, guys. Bye. Dramas over flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'd love at frolic.media/podcasts.